0: Reading from Matthew chapter 11 and starting at verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
1: Well, good morning. Uh, It's great to be with you. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name's Reuben, uh, I'm a pastor at Riverbank Christian Church in Launceston, uh, I'm married to Sian. Uh we have a little boy called Ravi who's nearly two and uh, unfortunately they didn't join us today because we didn't know how he would go with driving all the way up and back uh, but it's my privilege to be here and uh, and to continue a little mini-series which has been a bit It's really a book which asks the question, who is Jesus? This, this God-man who came down to be with us, to rescue us, who is he? What's he like? You know, you might be familiar with some of the things that Jesus has done. You might be able to tell me about the amazing doctrine of atonement or the incarnation. But I wonder if you also live with a deep awareness of his innermost heart for you, how he feels about you every day in all your sinfulness. Uh, I wonder if you've ever tried to tell someone about your husband or your wife or uh, describe the relationship you have with a sibling or or a best friend. Uh, Have you ever tried to put into words what that relationship is like? You know, I could tell you uh, some things about my wife, shan I could tell you that she has blonde hair and blue eyes. I could tell you what she does, that she's a mother and a jeweler. Uh, I could tell you some of her hobbies and her interests, about her music and her art, and uh, that she loves to make things. I could tell you the movies she does and doesn't like. I could tell you about her family, her parents, her brothers. I could tell you that we've been married for more than eight years, and that we've developed this wonderful, deep friendship But to be honest, none of that information really feels like enough. It doesn't really sum up who Shana is. It doesn't really sum up my relationship with her. There's there's something deeper than all of that which is hard to put your finger on. Thousands of moments that we've shared together over a decade. Every conversation and argument and experience that have bonded us into this deep relationship. I can't describe it with words, but, but I, can, I can see it. And I can feel it in the way that she looks at me and trusts me and cares for me. And sometimes as Christians and as people who, who come to church regularly, we can find ourselves speaking about Jesus in some kind of factual, theoretical kind of way, where we focus on what he has done for us, which is so important. And yet we can forget in some deeper sense That he is a real person with a real heart, who we are in real relationship with every day as we go through all the real struggles of life. And when that happens, our Christian faith can tend to become a bit dry and stunted. Uh, We can be like a husband who, who books a table for two at a lovely restaurant for Friday evening, he puts on a nice suit, he goes and buys a beautiful red rose. And then instead of inviting his wife along he rocks up to the restaurant sits down at the table and unfolds a piece of paper on which he's written a whole lot of facts about his wife. And then we wonder why our faith is irrelevant, dry, lacking in joy. We wonder why these other more mature Christians seem to be so excited about this amazing man called Jesus. So, that's that's really our goal today, and I hope Your goal as a Christian is to dive deeper into who Jesus is in in his deepest core. And to do that this morning, we're going to look at one of the most famous Bible verses. Uh, In all of the four Gospels, in all the hundreds of stories that tell us about Jesus, only in one place does Jesus tell us about his very heart. Only in one place does Jesus say, let me describe my heart to you. And it's here in Matthew 11. If you haven't cracked open a Bible yet, please do. Let's read again, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, We're going to look at these three verses in three parts. And all three parts are right there in verse 28. First, come to me. Uh, That's the invitation. Second, all you who are weary and burdened. That's the condition. And then third... I will give you rest that's the promise so we're going to see an invitation a condition and a promise let's let's begin with the invitation jesus says come to me come to me come aren't they welcoming words isn't that a warm invitation it doesn't make you think of arms wide open and a a face wrinkled with a smile and, and a tone of voice that's soft And gentle this is not reuben samuel capel come here no this is this is the wooing call of a lover and it's come to me isn't that striking to me to a person not come to a set of laws or rules not come to church That's what makes Christianity so different from other religions, isn't it? It is a relationship with a real person. But who is this person? Uh, Read verse 27 with me, just the verse before. Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Who is He? He's the Son of God. Uh, He's the second person of the Trinity, the one who knows the Father, who knows Him because He's one with Him. This is Jesus, the God of all glory, who is utterly holy and set apart, unique from anything else in creation. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. He has all authority. He has all power. You could search all the history books and search all the red carpets, of the world, and you will never find someone more exalted and more glorious, more dignified than this man. And yet, in the very next breath, he says these staggering words, come to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Who saw that coming? Not, for I am holy and powerful. Not, For I am wise and worthy of your worship. He could have said those things, but he doesn't. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And it's important to remember that in the Bible, your heart isn't just your emotions. Your heart is really the center of who you are. It's the core of your being. It's what what drives everything you do. And here in this verse, Jesus unzips his flesh and lets us peer into the core of his being to see what is his heart. Who is he at his core? Gentle. Which means uh, to be gentle. <laughs> it's one of those words, isn't it? To be tender, to be understanding, to be humble. Jesus isn't a task master with a whip. He hasn't come looking for slave labor. No, he's come to be the servant. He's, he's come with tenderness to help. And he says, I'm humble. Or, or maybe better, I'm lowly. It's this idea of having lowly status, of taking a lowly position. In other words, I'm, I'm approachable, I'm accessible, I'm down to earth. Pardon the pun. You can come to me because I'm lowly. Is, is that how you think about Jesus? Gentle, tender, lowly, approachable. Perhaps you say, well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I know Jesus was willing to hang out with sinners, and I know that he made himself low enough to even die for me, as we read from Philippians 2 before, which is absolutely true, but, but Jesus is saying more than that. I don't want us to miss this. He, he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, at his core in his heart of hearts, the deepest part of who he is, that is the part of him that longs for you to come near. Think about that. What what is Jesus' attitude toward us when we sin? What emotions does he feel when he sees you going yet another day without really praying to him or reading the Bible? What does he long to do when he sees me screwing up again and drowning in my sin? Uh, Sure, We know that he wades in to rescue us, but what's his heart? What's his attitude as he does that? Does he do it tentatively, cringingly, begrudgingly, like you might deal with your child's nasty nappy? Jesus says, in my very heart, I am gentle and lowly. Rescuing sinners and strugglers is what I delight to do. You know, when children are adopted into a new family, uh, I've heard it said that it can take them years to learn that their new parents really love them, that they can really be trusted. Uh, Perhaps these kids have been through years of hurt and mistreatment and being let down. They can sometimes be hardwired to expect betrayal, uh, disappointment, rejection, or perhaps they expect help but to to come in the form of pity condescending not out of a lowly heart but but kind of looking down on them and pitying them we need to challenge how we think about Christ we need to examine our subconscious thoughts about Jesus and ask whether they're accurate whether our view of Jesus is shaped by Scripture and by who he says it is he is, or whether it's shaped by our broken experiences of, of how the world works. You know, after, after decades of living in a world where the powerful people abuse the poor, and where forgiveness is always reluctantly offered. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I finally got got round to forgiving them. And where charity is infused with selfish motives, Jesus invites us this morning to take him at his word. He's gentle and lowly. And so he invites us to come. But but now, who's invited? What are the conditions that need to be met in order to come? That's our second point, the condition. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. See, perhaps you've had a niggling question in your mind. Uh, through the sermon this morning. You're listening and you're thinking, well, what about Jesus' anger? And what about Jesus' judgment? Perhaps you're unconvinced by all this talk of Jesus being so tender and approachable. I mean, isn't this a bit of a a wimpy, wonky, one-sided view of Jesus? Which is a good question. We need to think about those words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. See, there is a condition there. Who does Jesus invite to come? Who is he gentle towards? Uh, Jump back with me to verse 25. Let's read verse 25 together. It says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So there's a contrast here. Do you see it? Group one, the wise and learned. They don't see Jesus. They don't see that his kingdom has come. God hides himself from them. They are the evil, stubborn, unrepentant cities that Jesus talks about in verses 20 to 24. And Jesus says, woe to you. A terrible judgment is coming. Whatever we make of this gentle, lowly king, Jesus, we can't say he's a spineless pushover, can we? But then there's group two, and Jesus calls them little children. Uh, I happen to have a little child, and I can tell you, uh, wonderful gift from God, but so helpless. (laughs) Their lives are a mess, constantly on the brink of tears and tantrums, at even the smallest of setbacks, endlessly in need of help to give them food and drink. Put their shoes on to tidy up their messes to clean their bodies to tell them what not to touch and where to sleep and when to sleep and where to go and jesus says i've come for people like that i haven't come for the wise and learned the self-sufficient the proud the religious know-it-alls i have come for the messy and for the helpless and for the weary and for the burdened the word for weary is an active word It's the person who is exhausted from always working, from labouring, from smoothing, from striving. Trying to hold it together, trying to be good enough, trying to be someone, trying not to be a failure as a mother. At school, with your friends, in your career, with your family trying to find the truth, trying to relieve a troubled conscience, trying to break free. Can you relate? The word burdened is a bit more passive. It's the person who's weighed down, maybe by things outside of their control, hurting, broken, helpless, damaged by sin, worn down by suffering, scarred by life, A little later in Matthew 23, verse 4, Jesus scolds the religious leaders because, quote, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. You know, perhaps the burden that you're carrying is a religious burden. That unshakable feeling that God is disappointed with you. That you're failing as a Christian because you're not meeting up to his required level of obedience what does jesus say with open arms and a heart of love he says come come to me all you who are weary and burdened all every single situation every person every burden what is the condition for coming to jesus it's just one it's that you've come to the end of yourself the condition for coming to jesus is that you have come to the end of yourself And you're ready to say, Lord, I am not wise and learned. I don't have it all together. I'm weary. I've been trying to be good enough for you, and it's not working. I've been hustling out in the world. I've been trying to create a life where I'm happy and successful. And I'm not there yet. I can't do it. Have you come to the end of yourself? If you have, then you need to know that this morning... Jesus is with us in this room through his Holy Spirit. He isn't annoyed with you. He isn't disappointed with you. He isn't tired of you. In fact, it's actually the opposite. He's gentle and approachable and delighted that at last, like a little child, you're coming to him for help. There's nothing you need to do before you come. There's no payment that you need to make. He already did that on the cross, didn't he? When he bore all of God's wrath on himself, all of our guilt, all the consequences of our sin. You don't need to clean yourself up before you come. Dane Ortland says, your very burden is what qualifies you to come. And this is what makes Christianity so utterly unique and wonderful that the gentle and lowly saviour has already taken all the initiative and he's come to us and he's removed the barriers and now he is crying out to the world he's crying out to Olverston he's crying out to you and me this morning come home just come that brings us to our third and final point we're going to finish here what happens when we come what does Jesus promise well, let's read the promise again, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How does that work? Uh, rest sounds nice, definitely. I'm up for that. But but take my yoke learn from me do you know know what a yoke was it was this heavy crossbar strapped onto the shoulders of an ox so that they could then pull farming equipment through a field that hardly sounds restful does it jesus doesn't say take my seat take my mattress he isn't calling us to a lazy life of lying around the christian life isn't free of pain and hardship at least not this side of heaven. In another place, Jesus even calls us to take up our cross to be willing to suffer for him. So how can Jesus say, I'll give you rest? Well, verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The life of being yoked to jesus of learning from jesus of being his disciple his follower jesus says it's easy it's light coming to him following him working for him serving him it won't burden you it won't make you weary that's an intriguing thing to say isn't it how is that possible because the rest jesus gives us is soul rest you will find rest for your souls he says That's what's missing when we try to do life on our own, isn't it? Deep inside, at the center of our beings, we don't have rest. We don't have peace and security. We're working from a place where we have to keep proving ourselves, where we have to keep persuading God to love us. We have to keep protecting our family and our finances from whatever the future might bring. We have to work a little harder and do a little better because otherwise, God forbid, we might look back one day and have regrets. We don't want to get to 40 or 50 or 60 and have regrets. Feel like we've failed. Do you see how incredible it would be to know That the God of the universe, the creator, the adjudicator, the assessor of your life, isn't frowning on you, isn't frustrated with you. That he isn't breathing down your neck with his tape measure out. Or he's measuring how high you can jump. That instead he's come alongside you with a heart full of love and gentleness and he's accepted you. And instead of saying, jump higher... He picks you up in his arms and he lifts you over the bar every day. I want to finish with an illustration. Uh, It's not my own. It's from a great pastor uh, called Adam Ramsey in Australia. Uh, Some of you might remember this classic old film, Chariots of Fire. It's a story of two runners. And they're preparing for the Olympics in Paris, specifically for the 100-meter sprint. One guy is called Harold Abrahams and the other is a devout Christian called Eric Little. And at one point in the movie, Harold Abrahams says this about why he runs. Quote, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. Ten seconds to justify my whole existence. A little later in the movie, Eric Little says this, I believe God has made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Do you see the difference? Harold is running to prove himself He's running to be someone. He he says he's running to justify his whole existence. If I can only get my life together and achieve this, then I will find peace and rest. But Eric is different. He is still running, but he's running from a place of acceptance, from a place of rest. Eric knows he's already made it. He's already accepted by God, so he isn't running to prove himself. He's running because he wants to glorify and enjoy this awesome God who loves him. The God who made him fast. And that's the rest that Jesus is promising in this passage. That's soul rest. I don't, I don't know what it is this morning that might be stopping you from coming to Jesus or coming back to Jesus and resting in him again. Maybe you're not willing to give up your dignity or your hard work. Maybe you're in denial that you really are weary and burdened. Maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you don't think he really wants you. Whatever it is, I urge you, come to Jesus. He's gentle and lowly and he delights to give rest to burdened sinners and sufferers like you and me let's pray together lord jesus thank you so much that you have come to earth and revealed your heart to us and lord it defies all of our expectations in a world where the strong and the mighty are selfish and proud and abuse those under them, Lord, you come with humility and gentleness and grace and you delight to help messy little children like us. And that is what we are, Lord. We, we confess that this morning, that we are helpless. We are burdened. We are weary. We have been We've been trying so hard, Lord, to earn your love. Every time we sin and mess up, we think we're now, we're now cut off from you, that, that, you're, that you're disappointed with us, that you're angry with us, that, that we've ruined it again. Lord, please show each of us this morning just what your gentle, lowly heart really means, just how kind you are, just how much you want to help us and to give us rest for anyone in this room who hasn't yet given their burdens to you who hasn't come to you for rest who is still holding out on you lord i pray that even now they might sense lord that you are with them through the power of the holy spirit that they might come to you trust in you and your work on the cross find grace and forgiveness and rest for their souls. We pray this.